Then Solomon, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord. What happened? Solomon, he comes to the stage, he's the king, he's also the head of uh, state, and he comes forward and he is going to uh, say a prayer for the temple, he's going to dedicate the temple, and he's the one who built it for the Lord, so he had every uh, joy and honor in doing so. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven, and later on you'll find towards the end he was kneeling all through that time as well. So he got on his knees, he put his hands to heaven, and he said a long prayer, a beautiful long prayer. And I want to take away 10 things from his prayer this morning that are going to become the dedication of our hearts. It's going to become the dedication of our service. We're going to dedicate ourselves in the end as we stand before the Lord in his, in his presence and, and, and make a promise to God today. Then Solomon stood before the Lord, spread out his hands to him, and he said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love, underline that, keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. Note that. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly. Because everything is built on the character of God. Everything starts and is built and the foundation is the unshakable person and character of God. Would you agree with me? That's the place we begin. We don't begin on the talents of the pastor. We don't begin on the, on the exercise or the stuff that we have. We don't begin with what... We don't begin with the facilities we have, with the access. No, those are not the issues. We begin with the fact that God is there, God is not like, not like anyone else, and He has asked us to do this. Everything revolves around the person of God. When you build on that foundation, there's no turning back. You who keep your covenant of love forever. Verse 24, you have kept your promises. Kept. What tense is that? Yes. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, with your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have delivered. I love that. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have delivered as it is today. Number one, God is a covenant keeping God. God is a covenant keeping God. Because of that I have named this church covenant life. Covenant life. Because you come to God based on His character. You come to God based on His covenant keeping character and ability. God is a covenant keeper. What does He expect from us? Wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. Verse 23. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly. What does your Bible say? If you're in the NIV, you'll find wholeheartedly. If you're anywhere else, you'll find any other words used there? With all their heart. With all their heart. Which is wholeheartedly. Alright? Okay. Very good. God is a covenant keeping God and He expects us to keep our, His covenant with our whole heart. Moving on. Verse 25. I'm just rushing through this passage. I'm just going to glean because I want 10 things that we want to pick up from here. Now Lord, God of Israel, keep your, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said you shall never fail. You said you shall never fail to have a successor. Never fail to have someone on the throne in Israel. You promised us to God. 
If only our descendants are careful in all they do to walk before them faithfully. See what Solomon is doing? Lord, you promised. And you promised this if we did this. So you'll see both. You'll see, God, you promised this. And you are a covenant-keeping God. But you also said that there's a condition. And with the blessing, always there is a condition. God will bless anyway. But with it comes, if you wholeheartedly, if you cheerfully, if you carefully, if you faithfully. So note those two words, please. If only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me faithfully. Circle carefully, circle faithfully. There is an expectation. There is an expectation. Yes, we receive from God non-stop, completely. We, uh, we are under the, the, you know, the watershed, the, the shower of His of his love and his grace. Yes. What are they doing? What's our goal? What's our participation? What's our investment in that whole thing? Are we going to sit back and just enjoy it? Or are we going to do something about it? Is God expecting something from us? God has promised. Number two. God has promised. And he expects us to carefully walk before him. Verse 27. But will God really dwell on earth? He asks the question. He says, the heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. So here am I, I've built a temple for you. God, are you really going to reside in a temple? How can I even fit you into this temple? How much less this temple that I have built, he says. And then he says the word, yet. Is it there in your Bible, verse 28? Yet. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord my God, hear the cry and prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple day and night, this place which you have said, my name shall be there. Let's pick this up. What's he saying here? He says, God, I haven't built this temple to fit you in here. I haven't built this temple to fit you. Oh, man, God of heavens, there is nothing that can contain you. However, this place you have set so that your name is spread from here. So keep your eye on this place. Lord, keep a watch on our church. You are part of the church. You are in heaven. You are everywhere. Your praise is glorious. All of creation spread beneath thee as a, as a carpet. No one can contain you. But we are here. We are your people. And we are praising you. Be amidst us. And let your name for which we have gathered be blessed. Be blessed. He says, may your eyes be upon uh, open towards this temple night and day. This place which you said in my name shall be there. Why? So that you will hear the prayer of your servants towards this place. Lord, when we pray from this place, answer us, hear us. So number three, God will hear and he will put his name here. God will hear and he will put his name here. And he expects us to pray persistently. What is covenant life about? Why are we here? Why has God brought us here? Is God brought us here for geographical accessibility? No. He's brought us here for a witness. He's brought us here because he wants his name spread and talked about and, 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 and worshipped in every possible location so that he may hear people's prayer. So what should happen when people come here? They should hear all of us raising the needs and the concerns and the, the joys and the sorrows of people who come here to the Lord. When I come as an unbeliever, as I come as an ignorant person, I come, I don't know anything about this faith or anything. But when I come and sit here, I should hear you praying for me. I should hear everyone raising my voice. How are you going to know what I'm going through? 
If you haven't talked to me before the service, I haven't talked to me after the service, haven't kept in touch with me. If you don't care, if you don't dare to look in my direction, if you don't look at my countenance, see whether I'm low, whether I'm high, what I'm going through, my family, my friends, my, my children, those who are if you don't care about me, how are you going to pray for me? When I come here, I want to hear, I need to hear that this church has access to the very throne of God. Why don't people keep coming? Why would people keep coming? Because they know that God is in this place, his name is worship and, 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 and uh, glorified here. And when they pray from here, he listens. He listens. That's the secret of a healthy and growing church. That's what we need to be all about. God is just. God is. Let's move on. Verse 31. God is just and gives wisdom to judge well. When anyone wrongs their neighbor, he says. He's, He's doing this pastoral prayer for the, for Israel. But anyone wrongs their neighbor and is required to take an oath, and they come and swear the oath before your altar in this temple, then, Lord, please hear from heaven and act. Hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty by bringing down their heads for what they have done and vindicating the innocent by treating them in accordance with their innocence. What should the church be all about? The church should all be about justice. The church should show that, the, that, that guilt and wrong is condemned, but innocence is treated well, is vindicated. That is good judgment. God is just and gives wisdom to judge well. What does he expect from us? He expects us to condemn what is not right, but he expects, expects us to vindicate the innocent. There needs to be a place, the church needs to be a place, the family needs to be a place where there's reconciliation, where there's renewal. Look at back, look back at verse 31. When anyone wrongs there, how often does that happen? Every day? Whenever the two human beings with a beating heart and red blood flow through their veins, people are going to hurt each other. People are going to worry each other. Are you with me? People are going to hurt each other. People are going to say things. And when they come to church, oh God, give the wisdom to reconcile them. Give the wisdom to bring people back together. This should be a place where husbands and wives are reconciled. Where brother and brother are reconciled. This should be a place where long broken relationships are mended. Church is not just worship. Church, worship is just one of the things we do. Apart from all of that, Church is a place where God goes to work to bend the brokenhearted, to condemn what's wrong, not with judgment, but with judgment, with judging. Not with judgment as in go to hell, but with judging. Hey, that's not good for you. Hey, that's wrong. Hey, that's not healthy. Hey, you need to watch that. Oh, that looks like a bad growth. That looks like a, uh, a bad color. You need, you need to work on that. You, know, you see what I'm saying? When you judge something, you're saying, between good and bad, that's not good for you, brother. That's not good. You're not, you're not condemning the person, but you're helping a person. Hey, the way you talk to your wife, the way you talk to your uh, sister the other day, or the way you work with your uh, with your colleague, that's not the way to do it. That healthy, good, loving judgment that re results in reconciliation. It takes a lot of courage. It will take a lot of courage to be that church. Everybody wants to be nice. Everybody wants to be perfect, especially on Sunday morning. We all want to act like everything's fine. Nobody's ready to point a loving finger. Speak the truth in love and say, you know what, that's not good for you. If 
I come to church and people can't tell me the truth about me. What are they going to tell me? Number two, verse 33. Verse 33. When your people Israel have been defeated, oh, that's a situation. But they come back beaten and broken. And they got the snot beaten out of them from, I don't know, from the Philistines or somewhere. When they come back all bashed up by an enemy, because they have sinned against you and they just realized that they were not living at you blessing on them. When they turn back to you and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication to you in this temple, you don't notice that word is coming over and over again? This temple, this temple. Then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave to their ancestors. Lord, when they come back all beaten and bruised because you didn't support them in the war, listen to them. If they're, if they're saying sorry, just forgive them. Let them this place has got to be a place. This temple, let this temple be a place. When they come to this temple, when they pray from this temple, let this be a place where people get right with God. Let this not be the place where people run from God. Let this not be the place where people are like, no, I got nothing to do with this God, all these people. This needs to be a place where people, what does that mean? That means people are going to do wrong, people are going to fail, people are going to mess their lives up, and when they come back, in this temple, not this, but this. The Jewish heart within me wants to say, How many times, Lord? How many times should I forgive? And then you hear the voice saying, As many times as I've forgiven you, both people. God forgives and restores. God forgives and restores. Expects us to be a community that displays forgiveness. This church. People need to come and say, you know what? This church, this family, this is a place of reconciliation and restoration. When I come and I've screwed up, I've messed up, I've broken faith with God, and I've, I've messed up, I've hurt me, whatever. When you come here having messed up, you don't get slammed, you don't get pushed out, you don't get judged. You get welcome again and again and again and again and again. God forgives and restores. This church, Lord, make this church a place where the broken are put together, where the sinful are set right, where people can come without fear of judgment. Lord, make this church a place where people want to run to rather than run from. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain, okay, here we didn't, we're not beyond that. This is not something I have done. I don't stop the rain. But sometimes the rain is stopped. Sometimes there is drought. Sometimes there is... So when the rains are shut, heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you. You have withheld uh, provision. You have withheld the blessing. When they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people. You know, this is something God does. When God wants to set you right, He withholds blessing. He withholds something. You don't see an open door, you don't see things working out for you, and people go on and on talking about nothing's working out, nothing's working out. God is not listening to my prayer. No, He's not listening to your prayer. Or maybe He has listened to your prayer. And those are seasons when God wants you to stop struggling and striving and come back to Him. 
And he does that because he loves you and he says, you know, there's something in your life that is stopping me from blessing you. And I want you to come here so I can take that thorn out, I can take that growth out, I can take that tumor out, and I can get rid of it so that I can bless you. I'm a good shepherd. He lays me down in green pastures. He restores my soul. So that's the God we worship. So God forgives and restores. He forgives and restores. But when the heavens are shut up and God is withheld and He is He has He has stopped blessing and providing so that He can get our attention. What do we want from God at that point? Verse 36. Then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. And then do what? Teach them the right way to live. Am I going to mess up? Sure I am. Am I going to go astray? Yeah, I'm going to do that. When I come back to you, because I'm like, Lord, what happened? There's no oxygen. There's no rain. There's no provision. Why, why are you back off on me? Then in that moment, teach me where I've gone wrong. This church should be a place where people figure out. They're able to understand. They're able to be guided in what they did wrong. Where they went wrong, how they messed up, or whatever they did, so that they come back to God. So he says, teach them the right way to live, and then send rain on the land. Send rain on the land. You gave your people for an inheritance. This is your land. Look after your family. Look after your people. So he says, get us right. Teach us what to do. We will, all, we will respond, and then restore the blessing. Restore. Alright. When the heavens are shut up, when the heavens are shut up, God instructs righteous living and He gives us His Spirit. The word for rain also has been associated with the Spirit of God. So God expects us to pray and to praise and to turn from sin and He will heal our land. Verse 37. When famine and plague comes to the land of blight and mildew or locusts or grasshoppers and when an enemy besieges them in any of their cities, whatever Whatever disasters or disease may come, and when a prayer, a plea is made by anyone among your people, being aware of the afflictions of their hearts, circle hearts, and spreading out their hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act, deal with everyone according to all they do, since you know their hearts. Verse 14, so that they will fear you all the time they live in the land you have given our ancestors. Listen what? Number seven, God knows each heart and he's working in every life. So he expects fear for him as they live on earth. This needs to be a community where we are a part of, where we are a people who live in fear of God. There's a godless society outside that lives without the fear of God. There is a general God-fearingness, but there is a there's no clear sense of accountability. And we are got to be a people, yes, grace, yes, love, yes, open arms, but then teach us, set us right, and let us live as those who fear the Lord. God knows each heart. So he said, Lord, deal with them according to each one's heart, and let every one of them personally following. So we don't want to be a church that just as a community, we
we are uh, honoring the Lord, we are serving the Lord, we are worshiping the Lord. When everyone gets up and goes out alone, they too are a temple unto the Lord's grace. They too are set apart. They too are living in the fear of the Lord. Is our next generation going to live in the fear of the Lord? Are our children being brought up in the fear of the Lord? Are we going to show what it's like to live as if there is a God to whom we hold our lives accountable? Or are we going to live as if I'm the boss? I don't know anybody in explanation. I don't do what I like. I'm going to live how I like. You don't tell me what to do. The church doesn't tell me what to do. God doesn't tell me what to do. Let's not be so narrow-minded. arrogant when you can't see God. And all those who have seen God, they fell on their face. All those who have ever seen God, they back. On their face. Face down. And surrender. Interesting fact, everyone in the Bible who fell forward face down, it was worship. Are you with me? And everybody who fell back, it was judgment. It was judgment. So that falling also is quite significant. Okay, let's move on. When famine and plague comes to the land, the Lord deal with each of us, know our hearts. Verse 41. As for the foreigner, who? Noida got any foreigners? Where in Noida, Delhi? This. How many people come to this church? That's the wrong question. 
The question is, how many people go from this church and go happy? Go sad tomorrow, but go happy. How many people take the message out from here? Take the love of God out from here? Take a story of healing, a story of reconciliation out from here? When they pray, heal and listen to them so that all the peoples on the earth may know your name and fear you as you do your own people, as do your own people. So, number eight, God will reach the nations through us. God will reach the nations through us. So we expect an open house to people from all cultures and all nations. These doors will remain open to anyone who wants to know God. Amen? And we will love them. We will love them. So going by whatever we've just picked up, they're going to come back broken. They're going to come messed up. They're going to come indifferent. They're going to come looking. They're going to come from far distant lands. Wherever they come from, however they come, in this church, in this temple, Lord, let them hear your great name. God will reach the nations. When your people, verse 44, when your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they when they pray to the Lord toward the city you have chosen and the temple that has been built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. What's he saying over here? He's saying God will go out to battle with you. God goes to battle before us. What does the Bible say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. All those who seem to be against us are not the ones who are really against us. There's somebody behind them. The words that are thrown against us are not the actual words that are against us. There's somebody behind them. So when God goes out to battle, He battles for us. He's the one fighting our spiritual battles. You think moving here is not going to have a spiritual battle? You think we have not stepped into the enemy's territory? I'm not talking about a political party, I'm not talking about Indians. I'm talking about the devil. Why? Why? Because in every great and growing city, Satan has his grip on people. The most powerful God that he places among the people, the idol that he places among the people in every new developing place is money. Money is the contending God for Jesus Christ. And that's what people are coming for. That's what people are worshipping. That's the real. And behind that, Behind that is Satan's poor. And when God goes to battle for us, He expects us to pray for spiritual victory over the enemy. Pray for the salvation of the ones that the enemy is using. Pray for victory over the enemy. Let's not pray for victory over the people that Satan is using. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? They are not our enemies. Even the ones who curse and swear at us, the ones who speak against us, the ones who even persecute are not the enemy. Have you ever had a two-year-old child or a six-month-old child and the child starts whacking you in the face? Yeah, that, you don't throw the kid out of the window. You don't throw on the gun, how dare you do that? You don't fight back and say, I'll show you what I got. You don't do that. It's a kid. They don't even know why they're eating you. They're God's children, they're God's people. They don't necessarily look like what we think they should look like or act like what we think they should act like, but they are being used by God. And it's only a loving and a courageous heart that will instruct our response when persecution comes. 
When your people go to war against their enemies, whenever you send them, when they pray, Lord, fight for them. Lord, those are lastly, lastly, may your eyes be open to your to your servant's plea and the plea of your people Israel. When you listen to them, whenever they cry out to you. For, verse 53, you singled them out from all nations of the world to be your own inheritance. Does God love the world? Yes, He loves the world. Then why has He separated a small group of people out for Himself? Because He wants to show what theocracy looks like. Because He wants to show what theocracy looks like. If there is a community of people that is completely and totally ruled by God, theos, theocracy, ruled by God, where the people's lives are under His command, under His commission, where they act and, and, and perform according to His, it is not ever in, uh, in conflict with democracy or monarchy. It is never in conflict with anybody else because theocracy acts in love. Did you hear me? So when one people group called out to be God's people, act in love towards everyone, act in wisdom and in judgment towards everyone, a great witness goes out from them. Says, may your eyes be open to your servant's plea. For you have singled us out to be your inheritance, just as you declared to your servant Moses when you came. Sovereign God brought our ancestors out of Egypt. Lastly, God number 10. God has chosen and called his church to separate yet in the to be separate in this world. Let me repeat. I lost your attention. Let me repeat. God has chosen and called his church to be separate. Yet in the world. Be in the world, yet be separate from the world. Like oil in water. Like oil in water. God expects us to be purpose driven. God expects us to be purpose driven. Not driven by personality. Not driven by property. Not driven by, by, by finances. Not driven by ambition. But driven by the purposes of God. What is different about us? Why are we different from everybody else? Not because we are nice, not because we are holy, not because we are anything smarter, cuter, or anything than anybody else. The difference between us and everybody else is we are dedicated to the purposes of God. That we are, that we will be. We will be purpose driven, driven by God's purposes and God's purposes alone. So here's the dedication of our hearts this morning. I want covenant life to be a priesthood in the NCR. I want covenant life to be a priesthood in the NCR. What do priests do? They pray for the people. They represent people to God. They show people into the temple. They give them the people's uh, the God's name, and they share God's love and connect people to God. We need to be a priesthood in the NCR, a people where others can come running to it. Number one, we dedicate ourselves to be wholehearted, to be covenant keepers in our own right. Number two, we dedicate ourselves to carefully walk before Him faithfully. Number three, we dedicate ourselves to persistent prayer, taking His name here. We dedicate ourselves to seeking God's wisdom in judgment and in leadership. We dedicate ourselves to being a just and forgiving community. We dedicate ourselves to renewal and revival frequently. We dedicate ourselves to revere your presence and fear your name. We dedicate ourselves to reaching all the nations and cultures. Why? So all the nations would know that you are a God who saves. Number nine, we dedicate ourselves to spiritual warfare in Christ's name. Know who the real enemy is, fight the real enemy. 
that's on our knees. And number 10, we dedicate ourselves to being set apart as your people, but in the world. We dedicate ourselves to being set apart as your people in the world. I'm going to send this to you so that you can meditate on it during the week. Will you stand with me as I read Solomon's closing part of his prayer? And in a loud voice saying praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses may the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors may he never leave us nor forsake us may he turn our hearts to him to walk in obedience to him keep the commands and decrees and laws he gave our ancestors May these words of mine which I have prayed before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people according to each day's needs so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees, obey his commandments as at this time. These words, Lord, we speak from our hearts to yours and we dedicate ourselves. We dedicate ourselves, O oh God, afresh to you. We want to thank you for the management and the generous heart with which this facility and this area has been allotted to us, allowed to us worship. We want to ask your blessing on the school that the school would prosper and the people and the children and the teachers and the management would prosper because week after week your name and your love is sought here. So bless the school beyond its own imagination. Let everyone around here know that something is different here. Not because of us but because of you. That, the, that those who have taken the risk of trusting us, Father God, may they know beyond a shadow of doubt that they've done the right thing. And would you reward them for their faith in you. Father, I pray and thank you for those who have taken the effort to come all the way crisscross from West Delhi and from North Delhi and are, are committed to understanding that God has moved us here. I thank you for those who are in the neighborhood because they are the ones for whom we and through whom we want to witness here. I pray for all the things that we have dedicated ourselves, Lord, that we would keep our word and that we would revisit this promise, this oath, over and over again. Once again, I ask and I pray along with Solomon for his people. I said, may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and cause of his people according to each day's needs, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and commands. 